Hey there, folks. I'm Isaac, and I'm Cannon Russian, your base. And I'm Claire, and I'm designing a whole new kind of manner. And this is Make That Game, where we pitch the latest, the greatest new video game ideas that aren't ever going to get made. And that's right, folks. Here, we're going to tell each other some cool game ideas, and then we're just going to move on with our lives like they never happened. Yeah, forget about them forever. <laughs> um, Lock them in the vault. Before we jump in, though, I do want to talk about a little bit of a game design. Cool, cool, new, cool. Cool yeah. observation. Okay. All right. Uh, related, so, Matchington Mansion. I'm sorry, Matchington Manor. Okay. Or is it Mansion? I don't know. Matchington. It's a little mobile game. I've talked about it quite yeah. a bit on the pod. Your it's favorite a, game. Yeah. Match three, you get points, you decorate a mansion. Great. Well, I was over here super concerned. And we've talked about this on the pod, too, where, you know, do you... I'm, I'm, I'm a procrastinator in finishing games, mm-hmm. especially games yes. I like. I'm like, I don't want it to be over. So, Matchington... Instead of finishing decorating the mansion, because I knew I was very, very close, I just kept playing the match three game, <laughs> earning more and more points, but never using them towards decorating. Yeah. Because I was so scared the game would be over. And I mean, I knew because it's a mobile game, it would never be over. Uh, I just assumed they do like tiny, goofy little things like, you know, earn new living room furniture and redecorate. Build a new living room. Yeah, whatever. But I was like, it's going to be over once. Yeah. Um, I was wrong. Ooh. And what happened instead when I finished the mansion was they were like, haha, there's six other mansions in this universe. Welcome. You have to redo all of them. Is it an open world? Kind of you choose which mansion to redo? So or You have to do them in a specific order. Uh, but what it has mm-hmm. done, the reason I know there's more than even just one more is because basically I finish. The last thing you do is build a pirate ship. You sail the ship to another island. The island has a dilapidated mansion on it, but you also get access to a map of the world, which has other mansions on it. You just can't access those yet. But once Whoa. once you access all the mansions, you can freely travel. Like, I can freely travel back and forth between island mansion and my original mansion. And I'm assuming once all these other mansions are built. And then I'm also assuming that once I do all of the extra ones, there'll be even more. So... I just love it. I'm excited. I'm so glad it basically never ends. Thank you, Matchington. You're welcome. I'm <laughs> Matchington now. I've okay. just decided that I I am Matchington. All right. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, that's all I had to say. I just I just thought I'd let people know that uh, it's a cool little game design trick to keep it going forever and ever and ever. Yeah. Just, you know, you, you can always make it go. <laughs> it's just story. Yeah. You can always write a new story. Yeah, I just thought it was cool. And the never-ending story. It kind of is. Yeah. Anyway, that's all That's all I wanted to say for that. And now we have to get to the part where we pitch our game ideas this week. But do you want me to do that? You usually do that. <laughs> no. I mean, I could... All right. We do you, trade off back sure, and forth. Then do one. you want to pitch a game <laughs> yeah. to me first? Yes. Okay. My game idea is named Last Night's Storm. Ooh, spooky. And, uh, <laughs> well, well, never mind, throwing it out. No. Halloween's already over. No. I can't do spooky. You can always. No. Um, so it is a, I, I guess I would describe it as like a roguelite no. <laughs> kind of arcadey, pers- well, not pers- uh, God game almost. So like okay. you, you, you have the omniscient above the terrain view of a deity that you would have like in a city builder in age of empires like in an rts however you don't control people you are the manifestation of a storm 
and there is a boat with a sleeping hero on it, and your goal is to wake the hero with your storm. Why do you want to wake the hero? So the real the real Morrowind heads in the listeners ah, right now will okay, get it. Okay. But there is a game that famously opens up with a character, deep gravelly voice, going, you're finally awake. Not even last night's storm could wake you. Wow. All right. And All so right. this is, you are the storm that yep. couldn't wake the hero, but can you change history? Can you wake the hero, <laughs> the prophesied hero? And so the way it works is you start off, you know, at first you just have like little gusts of winds and little tidal waves that you can do. Well, actually I should set it up even more. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. The map is like randomly generated so that there's like different shoals and islands and other seafaring things. There's different number of boats. And I actually, maybe, maybe you can give me some input on this. I'm not sure if you should know which specific boat has the hero Ooh, on it. Okay. Okay. And that, and your goal is to like find out somehow, or if you do know, and like the other boats are kind of more for, uh, leveling up, like scoring points and getting upgrades. Cause what happens is, okay, you shoot a gust of wind and it makes somebody in the crow's nest like fall out or something, um, does something to the boat or like you hit a boat with a big wave and it makes people seasick. You get points for that. As you get points, you have more um, stormy feats, eventually ending with like sending sea twisters and like krakens and stuff um, with, with the ultimate goal of creating enough of a rowdiness of storm that the hero wakes up, does not get their good night's sleep, and presumably does not become the ultimate hero after all. I know that, so since this is a rogue light, which I still don't really fully grasp the difference the, between a rogue-like and a rogue-light, but... It, a rogue-like would have more explicitly rogue gameplay, where rogue is a specific game. Right. So the gameplay would more closely match to the original rogue. Um, a rogue light is really just any game where you kind of start it up and it's like a brand new game okay. each time. Yeah, like um, like Hades the video game. Uh, yeah, uh, sort of. I, I I'd have I haven't actually played it, but I think Hades actually. Here's the conversation oh, for gosh. today. Okay. No, uh, Hades, I think more gravitates towards the actual rogue like oh, part okay. of the spectrum rather than the rogue light. The, the rogue light moniker mostly exists um, because of Puritans who, if the game is too far away from a rogue, from rogue, they don't want to call it a roguelike because oh, it's not okay. like rogue anymore. It yeah. has to have, the, there's like a strict list of features and nobody, no two people agree on the exact list of, of features. Of course not, of course not. But like there are generally... Um, accepted features like grid-based gameplay I think is a big one a lot of people think that it has to specifically be like ASCII characters instead of graphics like if you have graphics you're not a true roguelike anymore because the original rogue was like a terminal game like it only could print dots and ats and c's and a's and like ASCII characters um, ASCII. I didn't know what you meant by that. <laughs> oh, A-S-C-I-I. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, and then the further you step away from that, the more likely the game is going to describe itself as a roguelite. 
And then it's gotten to the point where games that have absolutely no features in common with Rogue, except for like procedural generation, will call themselves like roguelikes or roguelites. And yeah, the idea of this game, it doesn't really have anything that I would consider rogue gameplay. And therefore, at best, it's rogue light. But because it has like standalone individual runs, I'll call right. them. Yeah. Like every every storm is a new game with its own procedurally generated obstacles and things toward, towards the end, um, preventing you from easily getting to the end that you seek, which is waking the hero. And uh, yeah, it's not grid-based. It's not dungeon delving, which is what Rogue is about. It's not ASCII. It's so therefore. Anyway, what I was gonna say for the your question about should we know where the sleeper is or not? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think it'd be kind of fun to have. I think especially because it is a roguelike that. Um, so every time you load the game, you don't know which boat the sleeper's in. Okay. So it adds a new level of discovery and gameplay, and that you can kind of have to discern through like trial and error where he is. So like you do I like your like you do gain points for doing other things in the sea, but you're also gaining knowledge for like mm-hmm. where he is or isn't. And then eventually once you have all the powers, you can throw them all at the sleeper ideally. Yeah. Oh, and then here's a key part of it. Um there is a limited area which the storm affects. And so that's like the map. If the hero the 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 boats start on like one side of the map and then travel a course, once they leave the map you can't wake the hero up anymore. That's like the fail state. That's okay. the, you've lost the game mm-hmm. if they leave without waking up. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah, I kind of assumed that. Yeah. But just, yeah, I needed to, to make it, it clear. So yeah. people taking notes, they can write it down right. in case they're making the game. Exactly. True. Yeah. All right. Well, nice. Yeah. That's so that's last night's storm, uh, which couldn't wake me <laughs> after all those years. And I became the hero anyways in Morrowind. Uh, anyways, do you have a game idea to pitch to the listeners through me? I do. Uh, it might be more of a vibe check. We might be building this on the fly. Oh, That's where right. I just kind of talk about the vibe of a game, but it might not be fully thought out yet. And, and then we work in the details as we kind of talk about the vibe. Yeah, that's right. so the mechanics. This is a design game. A room design game. Okay. All right. Yep. Uh, it comes off of a conversation I had with a coworker this past week. We were just going off, uh, you know, for having a having a good time, thinking about things, and we were talking about how environment impacts like mood and perception of space and yes. things like that, which is something I talk to you about a lot too. Yeah. I have this theory, and it's not just me. Like a lot of people do, and I, there's probably st- I have no studies to back it up, but I do think there's some people have tried to study it at least, like. Small details in room design can impact the way you interact with the room, can impact the way you feel while you're there. Like, I don't know. I I always feel defensive when people make fun of, you know, people who are paying attention to the details. Like, oh, are you really going to notice that the light switch cover doesn't match? Like, no one visiting is going to go point that out. And it's like, you're right. No one visiting is going to point it out. But subconsciously, on some level, they'll know. I just feel. (laughs) I don't know for sure, but that's how I feel about it. So uh, I'm going to have to interject. As a man, I understand (laughs) the secrets of room design. And there should be one TV on the floor with a PS4 also on the floor. Sorry, PS5 hooked up to it. Uh And a single beanbag chair. That is both the sitting or... That is the sitting, eating, 
and sleeping chair. See, now as an Animal Crossing player, you should know that things on the floor without are actually worth less points. I don't understand. Uh, points are meaningless. They don't matter. They don't get you anything. Um, I'm talking about utility, which is the ultimate goal of room design. Now, see, I think, I mean, I know you're just pushing my buttons, <laughs> but in real, in reality, I do think that like, I, I think rooms should function. I don't like design for design's sake. I think mm. that's, that's mm-hmm. actually mm-hmm. not useful, but I think they should have design. Like, like they should be functionally beautiful. It should be functional and aesthetic. Exactly. Because aesthetic... Your theory here My is that theory aesthetic, is that aesthetic, aesthetic really aesthetic. matters. Yeah. Really has an impact. And I know there's some information about that out there. I haven't looked it up. Um, but I would have confirmation bias anyway. So <laughs> I'd just be like, cool, a study that says what I think. Great. Moving yeah. on. <laughs> um, that's that's what we're that's what we're all looking for when we look for studies, right? Just <laughs> Yeah. So anyway, but that's just how I feel about design. That's my opinion. So I thought, what if I could build a game kind of like this? Now I've already talked about Sims having this as a mechanic already yeah which is the environment score for a sims like happiness bar so basically if you designed a room like isaac just described um the sim could be well fed they could have you know they could have social life they could have everything but they wouldn't be fully happy because their environment wouldn't be giving them joy so to like up a sims environment score things that you do is like add curtains add things on the wall add um rugs you know accessories flowers things like that will will up that environment score so i want to take this to a whole new level where it's just about the environment score okay all right Um, pure environment score yes so i think it's going to be kind of like i guess the the genre we've called it is like a list game where you're given a task like make a yeah so i guess i'm actually kind of combining animal crossings um what do you call it like happy home academy animal crossing happy home academy with the sims um, okay. Because in Happy Home Academy, you're given like, here's a room to design, you know, design yeah. a coffee shop or whatever. Um, so I think. Oh, it, oh, that specific like expansion of it. That's the paradise planning. I okay. Think yeah. It's called Happy Home Academy is like the in-universe organization that judges your home. Yeah. That gives you the points and the score okay. and stuff. Um, I So paradise planning is that's i mean i'm getting into the weeds no but you're right well and also our joke when i was playing paradise planning quite a bit and i did honk and bonk it way back when um our joke was that i could never remember the name of it i was like paradise home happy time um i just couldn't so that's it makes sense that we don't know but yeah so the so that element of that and i guess some elements of happy home in the sense that you're going to be scored Mm-hmm. based on your knowledge yeah. but i bonked happy home academy i think because it bothered me that their idea of feng shui was like put red in this corner and i'm like that's not what it's about. that's actually real i don't understand <laughs> uh, i'm an expert on feng shui uh i've played animal crossing since like 2003 yeah, whenever no. it came out therefore i'm an expert on feng shui that's Look, always how it's worked colors and quadrants do connect in feng mm-hmm. shui exactly however it takes no consideration for any other feng shui elements. You earn more bells if you put yellow furniture in the yellow zone. I don't understand what's okay. so difficult well, about this. Anyway, so so this game would have to be programmed with like real feng shui knowledge, real space planning knowledge, and real color theory. So that it's almost a learn them up because in playing this, you would basically be training to be a real Oh, wait. Designer. So this is, this is like a simulation yeah. game more than like... Cause because Animal Crossing, as we just pointed out, has a super simplified version. I'm sure Sims, even though it's more of a simulation game, 
is also a simplified right. version. Well, yeah, this Sims would is like, be like I added Sims is like real. I added flowers and it's like great, but I could put the flowers literally anywhere in the room and it would count towards the Okay. Point. This is like the farming simulator, the farm truck Interior simulator. Design simulator. Of, okay. This is like actually getting into the nitty gritty and wow. Yeah. And I think programming it should be- the rules of color theory into a game. Isn't isn't so isn't there a lot of vibe in it? Isn't there like some rules, but also there's a lot so, of vibe like you can break the rules? Here's what I'll say to that. And this uh, this goes from film school as well. I, for those who don't know, I uh, I went to film school. Uh, <laughs> oh, which Tarantino movie is your favorite? Ah! <laughs> <laughs> I fall into a pit immediately. Um, so, so I have a theory. I, this is just called Claire's Theory Corner, I guess. But I have a theory that vibes are actually aligned with a lot of rules that exist that we just don't inherently know it's kind of like how growing up speaking english you don't know the rules written like you don't know exactly why you say something the way you do but you do say it that way yes but there is a rule behind it so like a lot of i've noticed a lot of people who do room planning but they don't necessarily know feng shui will fall into a feng shui appropriate room because it feels right the vibe okay. is correct um and the same thing with colors so i do i mean you make a good point that like breaking rules can sometimes be really the effective the, exactly yeah. i think wes anderson is a good example of that where like oh more film school i know talk. but generally wow. speaking so with wes anderson like generally speaking you wouldn't want to center things like that's like bad composition quote unquote but obviously he's used it so much that he, like he basically overused it to the point where now it's his aesthetic and it's part of the film Mm-hmm. And it has a purpose. So I think, I mean, the way we get around that is, I I think, yeah, it's hard to program. I'm not a programmer, so that's why I can't I mean, if, if, if your little theory here is correct, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and that these are just basically <clears throat> rules that are fairly intuitive, like, if, like, you know when to break a rule, then you could say that that could be Be effectively an unspoken rule effectively. And so in that sense, it wouldn't be that difficult to program. I mean, so I guess, I guess programming is rules. So So as long as rules, the color theory part too, I don't necessarily want it to be like, okay, blue looks good with green or, you know, whatever. I think it's more about like, did you use a color palette or are you using like 12 different colors in this room? Yeah. Like, do you have like, lights and darks are they balancing each other out i don't because i do think that color is very subjective like yeah. for example your personal office probably wouldn't pass the color theory room vibe however i think it looks great <laughs> and so do you yes yeah isaac has a very bright you and could... fun office. <laughs> <laughs> um if you're making that like a list game i you mentioned that i'm not sure if you're sticking yeah. with that you like never where, know on a vibe check, you know. Yeah, where <laughs> if if you've got certain customers with certain demands, then that's how you would incorporate like my office. My office would be a demand by an NPC yeah. programmed to be like I like love me. bright color. Actually, I like that because it it does also add this element of the simulation where like interior designers don't just get to design things they like. Yeah. They have to design things other people like. And I think another fun thing would be to make it kind of I don't want to say roguelike, but I guess kind of where each room so you don't get to build the rooms. Yeah. So part of the challenge is creating a layout that works within the room. Do you get to use purchase furniture 
Yeah, I don't really want money to be a part of it. So I would say you get to choose furniture. Okay. But I don't okay. want there to be budgets. There could be like a challenge mode where it gives you specific stock. Oh, yeah, I guess. And... I mean, you would always have specific stock in theory because I don't think we could program infinite furniture either. No, I mean like you could have like a mode where you have access to all the furniture that's in the game. Oh, yeah. And, and then, then you could have a mode where it's like, okay, you mm-hmm. have to use this desk and this chair. Very Animal Crossing, yes, I see. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah I forgot. No, they have good. like the three key items that every... That oh, you have to work yeah. into the design, yeah. I think that I think that makes sense. I think um, I do want... Again, I don't want there to be any money involved because there's already so many things you're planning. And I know, yeah. again, that is part of interior design. But for this game specifically, I think it's just, you know unlimited budgets that's a special mode too budget mode (laughs) you just love having modes you just love having every mode you can because but game design wise it widens the scope of the niche there might be people who are interested in one mode and not the other and i guess it's not that hard to program in like okay an item to the budget is budget i also think there should be a free play mode if we're doing modes where you don't have a list and you can just design whatever you want but still get scored so you can test yourself on like how am i doing oh i like that um you know you can just have fun and then that would not that would be where you wouldn't be able to take an account like uh let's call it taste like you wouldn't have a specific customer so this would go strictly by the rules like if you do my office it will be a bad, it won't pass muster. Right. And I just do want to do a disclaimer here before we wrap up this game idea that I don't care what you do with your house. I think everyone, I everyone should have their own taste and style and do whatever they think they like, whatever they like and whatever they think is best. And that's fine. I think every house should only have black and white. Oh it should goodness. be high contrast, modern design, um, and also uh, open floor plan. Okay. All right. All right. Tiled ceilings, black and white checkered tile ceilings, every room. Now see that? I could get a, I could get behind tiled ceilings. <laughs> um, no, but I just wanted to say that because I don't want to sound like, oh, like you have to follow these rules in order to be doing a good thing. I do think that if you say, I love this room, and I walked in, I could be like, yeah, because you put this in, in, the, in this corner, which is great from the window, and then you have this going. You know, like, I do think people innately do some, follow some rules when they like yeah. a room. But it, whether or not they know that is fine, and also the whether or not the desk is in the command position. Exactly. Whether or not that's true, I don't care. Like I just want people to have fun with their spaces. Um, but I do think it would be fun to kind of practice designing to the rules and kind of, you know, hone your chops. Yeah, I like it. I just I feel like I have to disclaimer that because there are really no rules, and you can just do whatever you want. <laughs> <laughs> These are just my theories. Unless you live in an apartment. And then, you, yeah. you know, usually you can't nail things into the wall. You're limited, usually you can't even repaint. Doesn't mean you can't have fun. That's true. You can work with what you've got. You that's work. another That's another challenge mode thing. A, a, oh, an it's apartment an apartment. One, yeah. You can't hang anything on the walls and you can't change the colors well, that exist. Well, you can hang things on the walls, but you can't hang like heavy things on the walls. Yeah, yeah. What's the fun of hanging something light on the wall? That's my know. question to you. Okay. Well, Listeners, email us. Well, what's the anyway, fun in light, on the, light objects on the wall? <laughs> this is the end of my game idea. Okay. Goodbye, game idea. Oh, it's walking into the sunset. Oh, that's wow. where all that's where all the game ideas go after we after we pitch them. They just they walk into the, the sunset. Um, so that brings us now. We're going to have a discussion on some kind of game design topic. Is what's going to happen now? Okay. So I was thinking about because it is NanoRimo right now, which is National Novel Writing Month, which is the entire month of November. 
and I use Scrivener to write my novels. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And Product placement, pay us money. <laughs> yeah, literature and lattes. That's the <laughs> that's the parent company. Anyway, um, so I was thinking about game design because game design planning and novel planning is not very different when it comes to story and structure and character arcs and plot points and important moments, right? So, well, yes, the story of a game is very similar to stories per novels. Right. That's what I'm saying. (laughs) Okay. So because of that, I was like, what do game designers use to organize their thoughts for games? How are, like, I know there's many options, but like, what are some of the options? How does that work? Ooh, well, I mean, I've used Scrivener to kind of keep contr- keep um, ideas for the game that I've worked on historically, have not touched in over a year, it turns out. Oh, um, no. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, like I basically used each chapter to represent a chapter in the game, and I considered a chapter in the game like a dungeon or like area. So like, oh, the first forest is its own chapter mm-hmm. and here's here's the um, notes basically for how that's going to go. Like the, the basic ideas, like what the boss is going to be, like what kind of treasure, what kind of puzzles, etc. are in it. Um, I've also used it for like world planning, mm-hmm. like Scrivener, okay. still okay. world yep. planning, um, where each chapter is like, a region and then it's got like sub chapters which are like towns and like that has sub chapters that are people etc etc i've also just used a notebook to sketch dungeon and monster designs and stuff and like write a blurb about their stats like oh here's the bat it's high speed and it uses a sonic shriek to confuse the party um here's what i want the first floor of the dungeon to look like and then you know number one and then the legend over on the side one is this is a treasure chest containing two potions like that kind of stuff um i'm sure there's other ways to do it those are the those are the ones that i've personally used i've also done the the legendary Mm -hmm. that this is the one i highly recommend everyone do keep it all in your brain oh yep. yep um and never write any of it down yeah or transcribe it in any capacity don't yeah, just keep it in your brain, and then hopefully you can find it when you need it. That's great. Yeah, that um, as a as a writer, we we also use that tactic. Yeah, so I would say definitely a very common and uh, well practiced. Oh, I just thought of another one that's yeah. even better than that one. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I believe it's called pantsing. Oh yeah, this is a nanorama thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, where you don't plan anything and you just let it happen. Yeah, I was a I was a pantser every time I did nano. Wow. It was so fun. So I'm still on all the email lists for Nano because I used to do them every year. Yep. And um, I got an email of a part a launch party. This was in the New York one, which I don't live in New York anymore. So, but I keep forgetting to leave the groups. Um, but they were doing first. They had a, so you can be a planner or a pantser, right? Those mm-hmm. are like the two starting positions. So they had a planner meetup the day before it started, or t- a couple days before it started, where they were going to do like outlining sprints and like talk about their novels. Followed directly by a pantser meetup, which was just at a bar. (laughs) (laughs) That's pretty good. Yeah. And then obviously, like, both people could attend either, whatever. But I just thought it was a funny way to separate the two types of, like, all right, we're going to meet with the planners. We're going to sit in a room. We're going to time you. You're going to do writing. And then it's like, all right, now party. Get ready to go. Yeah. I um, 
I guess what I'll say, usually I would go in with some idea, like some vague concept, but not a lot of prep. And then I would usually set a lot of things on fire. So Good. That always makes things Liter- interesting. Literaturally or like... No, in the story. Like if it was getting boring, I'd be like, oh no, their house caught fire. Oh, <laughs> what a trick. <laughs> what little, a dandy little trick. That's my little hack. Um, <laughs> yeah, I was just curious because like, obviously there's lots of ways to do it, but it's fun to think about all the different ways. Have you ever used like physical note cards or seen people do that? Like, I've seen people do it. Um, oh, I've talked about this on the podcast before, oh. but I'm going to bring it up. Good. Uh, this this is this is for game design, like mechanical game design specifically. Mm-hmm. Cardboard prototypes. Oh yeah, that is We've literally that, yeah. like like cutting out cardboard cutouts of like the characters and then pretend in like a level or something and then pretending to play the game with those i think this is very cool i really like this (laughs) like if you wanted to make a mario like game like obviously you've played mario so you would not need a cardboard prototype (laughs) to know if mario is fun but just imagine but like imagine you're coming like you're the first person to come up with a platform invented mario yeah you would put like the 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 three blocks the question mark block like on a table and then you'd have a little cut up cardboard cutout of mario and you'd move the goomba cardboard cutout towards mario and then you'd actually enact jumping on the goomba right. and then taking it away and then run over and like hit the question mark block and the mushroom would come out and you'd be moving that with your other hand and you'd be like all right this pers- is pretty fun yeah no, this I, works i actually re- i really like this and i think it's i never knew until you told me that this happened and i just think it's so cool because it is before you program anything and before you like have a full world built, it's a it's a great way to test yeah. movement and like, I don't know, like fighting and just obviously you can't do everything you can do in a video game, but to like get the vibe right, to get the, the game right. Right, right. And it's, it's, it's really just about vibes. And if I actually remember correctly, I think Mario was literally at least pitched that way like with a cardboard cutout i think nintendo at least early on was one of the huge proponents of like the cardboard okay i will prototype. be doing a google deep dive um looking for photos of these things because I think i'm not I will sure if those them. exist i will be trying <laughs> yeah. maybe not of mario but like photos of cardboard prototypes i want to find them. i want to see the cardboard prototype of kirby if that ever existed that part of me thinks it didn't because, because we watched the design video yeah, on it and it seems like it mostly was like I want Kirby to be big fluffy, not fluffy, but big circle. Yeah. And then big circle took up a lot of the the bits needed, so then all the other enemies had to be basically like clones of each other so that they would fit. Yeah. That's what we learned. <laughs> yeah. Cuz he was like, "No, Kirby got to be big circle boy." <laughs> and he's going to take up most of what it is. He's going to use all the memory. Yeah, sorry, um, I don't I don't know the lingo. The mem, the, the ram. Mem. All right. I love memes. <laughs> Does that answer I your game design question? Yeah, I mean, right. it was a short or discussion, we but I think I'm hoping it gives other designers or even writers ideas for how they can do do it up. All right, we're gonna transition into the ultimate segment. Yes, we are. It's called the rapid fire round. We're gonna generate three random words. We have five minutes to come up with a game idea based on those three words, and we have to come up with a name for it. And it's a good time, and we're going to do it three times, and this is the first time we're going to do it on this podcast, and by this podcast, I mean this episode, because we do it every time. <laughs> What's going on here? This I'm, is chaotic. 
don't worry about it. And All right. Uh, hopefully you picked up what she was putting down there. I'm ready. Yeah. I'm starting the timer. It started. I didn't do the countdown. Here are the words. <laughs> Acid. <gasps> gradual. Pleasure. Okay. That last one really yeah, throws it off for me. That last one makes it a bit more of a challenge. That one is... Mm, okay. All right. Acid gradual. It's like you're gradually dissolving in acid, you know? So I'm thinking it's like a tower climbing platformer. Okay. So you, you're mostly ascending. You're jumping from platform to platform to get as high as you can. There is acid that is gradually rising. Okay. Um, and that is what is forcing you continuously oh, okay. up yeah. so this it's, tower. It's almost an auto scroller, but not the acid is the scroll. Yes. <laughs> Got it. Um. And then it's just get to the top of the tower as fast as possible or get as high as you possibly can before the acid overcomes you. The, the acid not only gradually rises, but gradually gets faster and faster as it rises. Yeah. Um, and the pleasure is because it's a pleasure to play video games. It's very fun. I don't, you, at the um, top, there's all right, how about candy this? or how about something. This? So I wrote a story once, TM, 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 about Madeline and a slime monster. The slime monster gets pleasure out of destroying things. So it's not just, it's, it's acid, but it's sentient. And its pleasure is to kill you. Oh, okay. And that's why you're escaping it. Correct. That's an easy way to do it, right? Oh, maybe it also, instead of just being like the auto-scroller, maybe it has ways of like doing other things periodically to oh, throw you off. Yeah. Like it Since can shoot it's acid balls and stuff. So you might have to get power-ups that are like, um, you know, like armor or like things like that. Maybe you can drop like base basic compounds <laughs> to kind of fizzle. It won't totally die because then the game is not the game. Right. But it could like fizzle it for a little while so yeah, you have some time to down. catch up. Yeah. So um yeah, I think that's All right. And um oh the game's name is Reflux. I love it. Reflux. <laughs> okay. That was fast. That was good. Boom. Two minutes and thirty or two minutes and fifty seconds left on the clock. Reflux, the tower. The, I'm adding to it after we stopped it, but we had so much time, it's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, would it be terrible if the skin of the game was you were going up the esophagus, uh, like from the stomach? Like it was. That might be it was little... literally acid reflux, like heartburn. Hmm. <laughs> I'm not totally sold on that one. I kind of just liked imagining it as this like creepy tower and like an okay. actual villain. However, and it's just, it could just be like a name that makes you think that's of acid, acid reflux. Yeah. yeah, I mean, if we wanted to do it that way, that's fine. Maybe listeners, let us know how you feel. Do you want it to be about the esophagus or just a random acid <laughs> monster? Let us know. Make that game podcast at gmail.com. Anyway. Anyway, game number two starts in three, two, one. Delay, yard, authorize. <laughs> Isaac just his whole body just slumped just yard delay and authorize so yard does make me think about mowing but obviously there's already mowing naval simulator. yard naval yard there could also be yard stick yard as a measurement okay yard in football I mean yard in football is also a measurement but you know like they use it that way yeah. What was it? Yard. Authorize, Authorize and delay. Delay. Authorize is making me think of like espionage of some oh, sort. Okay. Interesting. And maybe your espionage goal is to delay something. And so like 
I don't know, in a naval yard, you could be attempting to delay the launching of a Navy ship. Like you infiltrate the yard and you prevent them from sending them to go fight some naval battle or something. Okay. Something. All right. Um, I don't have any other ideas, so sure. And so I'm imagining the game to play a lot like the original like Metal Gear Solid for like the NES, or sorry, Metal Gear for the NES before it adopted the Solid moniker. So 2D top-down view, you're kind of running around a compound. Um, Screen functions a lot like a Zelda dungeon kind of screen. Like the the, the compound itself is a lot like a Zelda dungeon. Um, And then there's the stealth focus of like, you can try to avoid the sight lines of enemy units and your goal is instead of finding like small keys, well, you still find like key cards to open doors, but instead of like finding the boss room, you have to find like computer consoles, which oh, do yeah. certain things. And then, yeah, you have to like switch all the computer consoles to some specific thing and then you stop World War Three or something. Yeah. Um, okay. I mean, yeah, it's not a super exciting game, but it is what it is. <laughs> yeah. Um, and for just, uh, let's see. I'm going to go right back to like the Nintendo, like the original NES system nostalgia and give it a cryptic uh, name that barely has anything to do with anything. Um, let's call it Spy Nova. Oh, I like that. All right. Two minutes and 40 seconds left. Spy Nova. <laughs> Guys, we're going fast. We're going furious. And we're ready for our final round of the episode. Oh, okay. Well, in that case, I'll count down. Three, two, one. Prosecution up. Packet. Oh, excuse me? <laughs> excuse me? Prosecution up packet. Okay. So up, up. Okay. Okay. Wait. What if we go back to Dig Devil Dig? Our roots. You're being prosecuted in hell. You have to go up. Wait. So this is a sequel to Div De- Dig Devil Dig? Uh, no, it's are, just are it's, you... it's a Dig Devil Dig like. Because Dig Devil Dig didn't really have a lot of plot. Like it was more of like an arcade style. Like Yeah. Uh, for those who don't remember, Dig Devil Dig was was your digging up from hell, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, pack it though. I don't pack it. But yeah, you get you. You're being oriented in hell. You get a welcome packet. You've just okay. died. Okay. Okay. And and you find out you're actually supposed to be in heaven. So now you have to go up before an escape prosecution, and it's. <laughs> No? Okay. Wait. All right. So, okay. Why are you being prosecuted? <laughs> you stole a loaf of bread. You're Jean Valjean. Okay. You're Jean Valjean. Wait. So. <laughs> no. I, I, does any of this have gameplay relevance? Yeah, it's basically just like the acid game we made. <laughs> you just going up. Instead of, instead of acid, it's uh, devil police. Yeah. Instead of acid, it's devil Javert. <laughs> oh, he's relentless. Yeah. He never gives up. He never gives up. <laughs> okay. Oh, here. Okay. So it is. It's a sequel to Les Mis. So we all thought Jean Valjean's going to heaven at the end of Les Mis. But Javert, who's in hell, becomes a demon. And he pulls Jean Valjean into hell with him because he still has a vendetta. Okay. But you, but obviously Jean Valjean is supposed to be in heaven, so, so he's trying to escape Javert still to this day. Okay. I know. It's all plot. I'm sorry. I don't know yeah. what else to do with this. And the packet really doesn't come into play at all. No. Oh, no. Oh, man. 
well, uh, packet, we could make it online multiplayer, and thus it sends packets back and oh. forth. Uh, we could also have like a packet of like dust that does power things. Maybe there's lots of packets, and that's how. Oh, your power ups are little packets. Little packets, yeah. Okay. Maybe it can be a, a two player game, so one of you is Javert and one of you is Jean Valjean. Whoa. Wait, okay, no, now we we're go. working no. with something here. <laughs> okay, Jean Valjean and Javert have different powers, yes. and the players are competing with each other. Um, Javert's goal is to catch Jean Valjean, and are we going to stick with the uh, hell thing, or is it just going to be... Well, so up, we need an, something for up. So that's that's... That's like yes, they are in like a platformer situation. <laughs> Maybe they're reason. just climbing. It's, it's just buildings. like the Eiffel Tower. <laughs> yeah, uh, various levels. There could be okay. different levels themed after Les Mis. So they're doing parkour. They're doing parkour. <laughs> okay. Um, Whoever gets to the top first wins that level. No, no, no. no. It's asymmetric. Javert oh. just needs to capture Jean Valjean. Jean Valjean needs to get to the top. Got it. Okay. So like Javert could theoretically win right at the beginning of the level but jean valjean has to get to the top he has no other right, like win right, condition right because he can't kill javert because he's jean valjean he yeah never. he he would never um cool okay now we need a name right the mist <laughs> the what the mist two that's good i was also thinking of like making it english like most miserables <laughs> okay nope We've got it. You like that one? Most miserables. <laughs> most a really fun miserables, game. Uh, with 40 seconds left on the clock, that is most miserables. The game where a uh, cop and a thief parkour. Uh, parkour around Paris. Toward, to the top of the level. Yeah. Don't let the parkour trick you. It, this is a purely 2D game. And they have packets of things. And <laughs> packets that. of power-ups. Don't of worry. Packets of power-ups. It's Don't part worry. of it. <laughs> Most miserables. Well, hey, that's our show. That is our show. We are online. One could say chronically. And you can find us at makethatgamepodcast at gmail.com. Sometimes. What? I'm chronically online. I don't yeah. know if you qualify. I think by the amount of TikToks I watch, I do. Uh, fair. I think I do. Do we have a TikTok? We do. It's Make That Game Pod. It's ah. at Make That Game Pod. That's okay. our TikTok. It's also our Instagram. It's also our Facebook. And you can find us on twitch.tv slash make that game. We love getting emails from you. You can email us, make that game podcast at gmail.com. And we'd love it if you leave us a five-star review on iTunes or Spotify or both if you're feeling fancy. And if you did hear a game today, you say, man, I need to play that game, Most Miserables. It's not unhinged at all. It's perfect. Then we encourage you to get out there and make, make that, that game. game.